Section 14 of Thrilling Adventures by Land and Sea by James O. Brayman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 14. Thrilling Incident. In midwinter, about four years since, says Miss Martineau in her Norway and the Norwegians, a young man named Hunt was sent by his master on an errand about twenty miles to carry provisions to a village in the upper country the village people asked him for charity to carry three orphan children on his sledge a few miles on his way to bergen and to leave them at a house on the road when they would be taken care of until they could be brought from bergen he took the little things and saw that the two elder were well wrapped up from the cold the third he took within his arms and on his knee as he drove clasping it warm against his breast so those say who saw them set off and it is confirmed by one who met the sledge on the road and heard the children prattling to hunt and hunt laughing merrily at their little talk before they got halfway however a pack of hungry wolves burst out upon them from a hollow in the thicket to the right of the wood the beasts followed close to the back of the sledge closer and closer the wolves pressed hunt saw one about to spring at his throat it was impossible for the horse to go faster than he did for he went like the wind so did the wolves hunt in desperation snatched up one of the children behind him threw it over the back of the sledge this stopped the pack a little on galloped the horse but the wolves were soon crowded around again with the blood freezing to their muzzles it was easier to throw over the second child than the first and hunt did it but on came again the infuriated beasts gaunt with hunger and raging like fiends for the prey it was harder to give up the third the dumb infant that nestled at his breast but hunt was in mortal terror again the hot breath of the wolves was upon him he threw away the infant and saved himself away over the snow flew the sledge the village was reached and hunt just escaped after all the sacrifice he had made but he was unsettled and wild and his talk for some time whenever he did speak night or day was of wolves so fearful had been the effect upon his imagination adventures of rev dr bacon and his party among the mountains of persia dr bacon and rev dr marsh attempted to cross from the city of mosul on the tigris to orumea the residence of the nestorian christians on their passage through the kurdish mountains they were robbed and narrowly escaped being murdered and were finally forced to return to mosul dr bacon after describing their departure from der becker says i defer to another time the description of our romantic and picturesque passage down the tigris by the care of providence our whole party completed this stage as they had completed the previous and more fatiguing ones in safety and comfortable health we arrived in mosul on the sixteenth of may in seven days from dyrick becker and immediately set about making preparations for continuing our journey into the mountains the engaging of mules the hiring of servants and the preparation of provisions detained us in mosul until wednesday the twenty first of may the meantime was spent by us in visiting the excavations on the opposite side of the river in the mound of koyunchek we followed our guide through a labyrinth of narrow corridors lighted dimly by occasional openings in the firm clay overhead 
some of the sculptures were described in mr layard's volumes others have been since unearthed and some most interesting galleries had just been left by the picks of the workmen time at present does not permit me to describe them but i may mention as among the most interesting of the recent discoveries a succession of slabs carved with a representation of the original transportation of the great winged bulls which adorned the stately entrances of the palaces of Ninus and sardanapalus a collection of small inscribed stones has also been found supposed to contain public records and but a day or two ago the workmen brought in the report of new and still grander sculptures just discovered we had expected to start on wednesday at sunrise but various petty hindrances detained us until late in the afternoon we then united in prayer with the family in whose cares anxieties and dangers we had shared through so many weary weeks and hastened to our saddles passing the tigris by a rude ferry we rode in the setting sunlight by the once mysterious mounds of koyunjuk the reapers who were still busy within the grassy walls of fallen nineveh came up to us as we passed with their sickles on their heads to present the offerings of the first fruits of harvest we hurried on however and stopped for the night at a small village little more than an hour from the gate of mosul on the third day they reached the town of Accra among the mountains where they were obliged to stay three days waiting for the kurdish muleteers they performed the sabbath service in a cavern of the mountain which the native christians had fitted up as a secret chapel leaving Accra on monday morning the twenty sixth of may they entered the most dangerous part of the mountains mr b says we spent this day's nooning by a spring that bursts out near the top of a steep mountain and ate our dinner under a tree that distilled upon the rocks a fragrant gum mounting again at two o'clock in half an hour we reached the summit whence we looked down a giddy descent upon the swift but winding zab here it became necessary to leave our animals and work our way down the most precipitous road while the mules slid scrambled and tumbled after us as best they might as i was pushing on a little in advance of the party i was met in a narrow turn of the path by an old bearded man with a dagger in his girdle who reached out his hand toward me i was uncertain at first how to understand it but his only object was to press my hand to his lips with a fervent salam alaikum peace be with you to which i responded according to usual form alaikum salam with you be peace meeting with others of his party they asked us if we were nazrani nazarenes christians and saluted us with the same respect going some distance back on their path with us to show us a cool water spring they then went their ways and we saw them no more but i shall not easily forget the satisfaction which they showed in recognizing us as fellow-believers here in the land of the infidel and the kindness with which they went out of their way to offer us a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple that night they spent on the banks of the river zab the next day after traversing a wild pass hemmed in by perpendicular rocks more than a thousand feet in height they reached the village of bizet in a valley of the mountains and secured a house-top for the night 
about the middle of the night mr marsh was waked by a slight noise and lifting his head saw a party of five or six armed men creeping stealthily toward our roof which on the side toward the hill on which they were was only four or five feet from the ground the foremost man stopped short for a moment at mr marsh's movement and turning to his followers called quajaya the gentleman then seeing that our old guard was asleep at the stepping stone he climbed upon the roof at another corner and stood for a moment with his long gun at his side mr marsh raised himself upon his arm and demanded in arabic what do you want the man probably did not understand the language at any rate he made no answer but turned to the old man and conversed earnestly with him in a low tone the other men gathered near them as if to listen and take part but they all finally went away without doing any mischief the next morning the sentinel who had kept watch over their baggage attempted to dissuade them from going the direct road as the people of the next village had heard of their coming and were determined to kill them however they kept on and in the course of two or three hours their guide was stopped by a company of six armed men the place was admirably chosen for the purpose the narrow path along the cliff by which we had come here widened into a little platform large enough for our mules to stand upon together in front of us a ledge of broken rocks jutted from the mountain and ran down crossing our path and leaving only a very small passage in front of this path stood our challengers six worse-looking men whether in form dress or feature it would be difficult to imagine each man wore around his high conical felt hat a turban of handkerchiefs of every hue and texture in his hand a long gun with short and narrow breech and in his belt the universal kurdish curved and two-edged dagger the leader of the gang was a man of middle age with black eyes and a grisly untrimmed beard and with half his front teeth knocked out after some discussion the robbers consented to allow them to pass on the payment of fifty piastres two dollars and a half which they agreed to do provided they were conducted to the house of the aga the robbers objected to this and provoked by the delay leveled their guns at the party at this juncture the chief muleteer advanced the necessary money and they were spared these transactions from the time we were stopped occupied about an hour we now passed with our ragged regiment straggling around us now with their long guns under our ears and now cutting off the long bends of our crooked and little used path in about ten minutes from the pass we were hailed by another party posted upon a hillside and a discussion of many minutes ensued between them and our escort in which our kurdish muleteers took an active part the result was that we moved on with an addition of two men to our guard we soon began to perceive that we were going toward the aga rather as prisoners than as guests the castle if it may be dignified by the name which was now in sight was of no promising appearance it was a rude rectangular building with a small white tower at one corner on which the workmen were still engaged it was situated on the side of a hill which formed the head of a valley opening into the ravine we had just left the small windows and the roof were crowded with men women and children gazing at our singular cavalcade as we drew near some women who were bathing in a brook rose and gazed at us with irrepressible curiosity we stopped at the door of the castle 
here the assault began the men of our guard flew like savage dogs at our servants Kurdur and abelad seized the arms which were girded about them slashing furiously with their daggers to cut the straps of their guns and pistols the turbans were torn from their heads and appropriated among the rabble similar violence was about to be shown us when these operations were suddenly interrupted by the appearance from the castle of melul aga he was a man taller by several inches than any of his tribe and with an expression of face which was that of one accustomed to be obeyed he was dressed in a more elegant style than could have been expected in these mountains wearing upon his head a turban of grey silk and a long rifle slung from his shoulders with a melodramatic wave of his hand which was at once obeyed he motioned his noisy tribe to desist and approaching us pointed out a tree a few hundred feet up the hill to which we might retire as we moved alone toward this spot a grim suspicion of his intentions crossed our minds might it not be for convenience in dispatching us that we had been removed we seated ourselves quietly in the shade and watched the proceedings the property of the muleteers and donkey drivers had been unloaded and placed by itself one of our loads had been thrown from the mule and the other was now brought near us taken from the animal and laid under a neighbouring tree mr marsh now went down toward the castle to assist kundor in bringing the rest of our property toward the tree this done kundor returned to the crowd to learn what he could of their intentions he soon came back to us in evident terror and said with a significant motion of his hand that they were intending to kill us after sending the servant a second time he came back with the announcement that the aga would examine their baggage take what he pleased and send them on to another aga but would not allow them to return to mosul this examination was soon made and the party was plundered of one thousand piastres forty four dollars besides razors knives and a quantity of clothing the whole affair was conducted with a politeness of manner which was highly creditable to the aga and calculated to put us very much at our ease he showed himself in everything as mild a mannered man as ever scuttled a ship or cut a throat for instance in searching our trunk his eye was caught by a small sealed parcel which i supposed to contain jewellery i immediately told him through a servant that it was not mine but had been given to me in america to be delivered in europe he immediately put it down and proceeded with the search during these operations several women some from curiosity others from pity had gathered around us among the latter class was one who from her dress beauty and demeanour could be no other than the wife of the aga she was dressed in a faded but once magnificent robe and trousers of silk and wore upon her head a massive and elaborately carved ornament of silver she moved among the fierce and bloodthirsty savages with an air of mingled scorn and anxiety reproaching them with the shame of the transaction and pleading earnestly that our lives and property be spared she warned them also that our injuries would inevitably be visited upon their heads having finished his search the aga with the old men of the tribe gathered on a ledge of rocks just behind us and consulted long and earnestly we sat down and dined with what appetite we could muster 
after the robbers had come to their decision a second search of the baggage took place which mr bacon thus describes the pressure of greater and more important dangers had made me quite resigned to such petty losses as these and i watched with much amusement the appropriation of unusual articles a black silk cravat which had seen much service in new haven drawing-rooms was twisted about the suspicious-looking head of an uncommonly dirty boy a pair of heavy riding-boots were transferred to the shoulders of a youth who bore the gallows mark upon his features with unmistakable distinctness a satin vest of mr marsh's was circulating through the crowd on the person of a dirty child who boasted no other wealth but a ragged shirt and a green pomegranate i looked at the youngster with a smile of congratulation but he turned upon his heel and strutted gravely away his new garment trailing on the ground at every step having lightened our baggage considerably at this hall they proceeded to search our persons it had been our first movement on being placed by ourselves to transfer our watches together with a locket all priceless memorials of distant or departed friends from the waistcoat to the pantaloons fob a pocket compass attached to my watch-guard was cared for likewise the little notebook in which i was accustomed to place the map of each day's journey we knew not how soon we might be wandering in the mountains on foot and without a guide dr bacon had with him two english sovereigns and we were uncertain what to do with them if we should openly give them to the robbers we dreaded the effect of the auri sacra fames if discovered in a secret place we might be stripped in the search for more the attempt to conceal them in the earth might be perilous they were finally placed in the waistcoat fob from which the watch had been taken with the hope that the clumsy curds might overlook it they began with me the aga with an irresistible smile and bow of apology passed his hands about my waist feeling for a money belt then over my dress finding that one of my breeches pockets was full he motioned me to empty it and seemed satisfied when i drew out a handkerchief and a pair of gloves dr bacon was then searched even more superficially but as the hand passed over the waistcoat pocket something jingled i held my breath as dr b put in his hand and drew out a seal which he had bought at mosul as an antique upon mr marsh the aga found a gold pencil case which pleased him wonderfully on being told of its use he scrawled with the pencil on the bayur hada an autograph for which i have a peculiar value the mystery of this was that he restored the pencil with a grin of self-righteousness to mr marsh after waiting some time in suspense the travellers were suffered to leave in charge of a kurdish guard it soon became evident that we were not on the road to orumia whither we were going was a matter of painful mystery at the distance of more than a mile as we passed a village a single christian a man of acre came out in a crowd of curious villagers to offer his sympathy as each of us passed him he bowed with his head to the ground and with the strongest expression of regard urged us to remain with him there as he would guarantee our safety it was not for us however to say and we pressed forward but kunder soon brought us the intelligence which he had obtained here that we were being led to the village of a mullah a very holy man under whose protection we might feel entirely secure 
he added that toward urumiae it would be quite impossible to go our only escape was toward mosul the mullah received them kindly entertained them a day in his house where all the diseased persons in the neighbourhood were brought for them to cure and started with them early on the morning of the thirtieth of may to accompany them on their way back to mosul on reaching a village toward noon a scene took place which is of so much interest that we give mr bacon's account of it in full we were assisted from our horses by a remarkably ill-looking set of men whom we supposed to have come out to see us from curiosity an unprepossessing young gentleman with a scar that divided his nose and his upper lip and a silver-mounted dagger took a seat near the mullah and a violent discussion immediately commenced of the drift of which we were happily ignorant soon another party of villagers appeared headed by another young man who was quite the counterpart of the first even to the scar in his lip but his dagger hilt and sheath were of solid silver set with precious stones and the long ringlets which hung upon his shoulders were still more daintily curled the arrival of this reinforcement renewed the violence of the discussion between the mullah on one side and the young men on the other it plainly related to us and the fierce looks of the kurds as they walked to and fro with their hands on their daggers would have alarmed us had we not had full confidence in the power and good will of our friend the controversy had a good deal subsided when the approach of still another party renewed it once more the aga himself was coming he was a man of fifty years with a once grey beard dyed a bright red and with his lower eyebrows stained a livid blue-black he greeted us with a ferocious smile and entered at once into earnest conversation with mullah mustafa the conversation was interrupted now and then by one of his amiable sons leaping from his seat and speaking violently to the great apparent satisfaction of the crowd we soon learned the nature of these discussions from kudar who had been an attentive and agitated listener to the whole the respectable old gentleman it seems had sent his first son to murder us placing the second at a convenient distance to assist him the latter surprised that the business lagged came up to see to it and the aga himself finding that business lagged came finally to attend to it himself the mullah urged the danger of injuring persons of consequence the sword of the frank is long said he but this argument was without effect mustafa then appealed to him not to disgrace his hospitality these men were under his own protection and he would not see them wronged this argument also failed he now urged that we were men of influence at mosul and were going direct to constantinople that by securing our influence against his colleague and rival melul aga he might secure a perpetual supremacy in the district of shirwan this plea gained the case the eyes of the old savage glistened with diabolical satisfaction as he thought of the villainous trick he was about to play upon his rival he drew from his bosom a letter and handed it to the mullah who read it and handed it to our servant it was written by melul aga to khan abdul our present host directing him to take the rest of our property and murder us without fail 
this letter had been written on the blank page of another letter sent to melul aga by mustafa aga of ziba who resides at Accra. it was the last scoundrel who had sent letters in advance of us into the mountains inviting them to murder us and this all for the sake of making a little impression on the government at mosul after these hairbreadth escapes from murder the party returned in safety to mosul End of section 14